maybe it was the sensationalists on the Weather Channel saying this past Thursday that Hurricane Earl had become the biggest storm on the planet that I sensed we here in Maine were probably not going to be washed away to sea whenever Earl finally arrived. More often than not, in recent memory, the severity of a forecast usually winds up diametrically opposed to the actuality of the meteorological event. By the time Earl reached New England, for example, the storm had lost much of its oomph and been downgraded from hurricane to tropical storm. Far less intense than feared, wrote Russell Contreras, an Associated Press reporter with an appropriate enough name to comment on data that was contrary to the initial guessing. Not all of the forecasting, however, was hyperbolic. To its credit, NOAA, the National Oceanographic and Aeronautical Agency, forecasted on its website that central Maine should expect winds gusting no stronger than 20... And that's what most of us gratefully received during the early morning hours of Saturday, somewhat relieved afterward that a full-fledged drought might be yet avoided toward the end of this all-too-dry summer in the Pine Tree State. Commercial media, of course, proportions itself heavily in the realm of entertainment, with factual information, or even the attempt thereof, an often bothersome concern. While the remnants of Earl's clouds were swiftly swirling further to the northeast and clear blue sky was opening up late Saturday morning, a friend from Colorado telephoned me to learn how Maine was faring with the storm. She had recently started up a new career as an on-call first responder for FEMA and has become super interested in all things associated with hurricanes especially during the hurricane season. What she's learning most about hurricanes is how to discern hype from useful information, something that she's already had more than a little experience with as a lifelong resident of Colorado, where the media also tries to sensationalize every weather event, as if during winter, for instance, the average Coloradan is perpetually living in whiteout conditions. Whether motivated by media or by individual anxiety, more than a few Mainers knocked a few things off their to-do list they might not otherwise have done on Friday in advance of the storm. Bird, a musician friend of mine from Bangor, decided on Friday, what the heck, might as well take care of a few things that need doing anyway, such as patching a portion of his roof. Once he'd done that, he tackled and finished a few other things. He told me that he knew when the storm wasn't going to amount to much because he was as ready for anything as he could be because he'd worked out his anxiety in advance. Which brings us around to today, my approach to Labor Day. Well, appropriately enough, I'll be laboring today, as I have for nearly every Labor Day for decades. I try to tell myself that I don't intentionally plan to work on Labor Day. It just happens that way, and that's partly true. This year, for example, I had completely forgotten that one of the colleges I teach at in Bangor has traditionally always had classes on Labor Day, and so this afternoon I'll be going downtown to teach a literature class. Last year I was flying down in Trenton and back in Bangor in the afternoon. Twenty years ago I remember finishing off a deck on Labor Day. The Bible's book of Ecclesiastes provides, by way of its purported author, Solomon, or the preacher, some advice on labor. The preacher advises that about the only thing that the human being, that creature so full of vanity, can hope for in terms of peace or contentment is to take joy in one's own labor. It's something we all can aspire to. 
Every Labor Day, I have an excuse to think about how close I've come to reaching that sort of peace and contentment. From Orono, Maine, have a great Labor Day.